Women in Strong Leadership, Lisa Pachentz. This is episode 20 on What Has My Attention podcast. Lisa Pachentz is a success, life, and leadership coach. She specializes in helping women transition from surviving and struggling through a nine-to-five job to thriving as a leader and business owner. As you will see in this conversation, Lisa balances warmth and rigor to help her clients achieve their personal and professional goals with speed and velocity. She received her training through Accomplishment Coaching, known as the world's finest training program. Lisa is a registered coach through the International Coach Federation, a mentor coach in Accomplishment Coaching, and the Continued Education Coordinator with ICF Philadelphia. You can find out more and actually watch this on our YouTube channel at Imagine Podcasting. You can just do a search and we'll include that link in the episode notes. So in this continuing series, Women in Strong Leadership, this is what has my attention. So Lisa, welcome to What Has My Attention. I'll tell you why is you have my attention because you're an executive leadership coach. And honestly, for many years, like 14 years, I've really been supporting women as much as I can. And then, you know, of course, I became aware of this whole women in executive leadership coaching positions. And I just I want to do whatever I can do to help you. So I want to present you on my channel. So that's why we're here. And if you want to just give everybody out there a brief introduction, that'd be great because I will mispronounce your name, I'm sure. Well, first of all, thank you so, so very much for having me. Absolutely. thoroughly enjoyed our conversation last time, and I love what you stand for in supporting other strong women to support strong women. And that's really what I'm about. I, I like to think about me being the woman behind the woman who makes the change in the world. Um, I will yep. introduce myself. So, uh, uh, Okay, good. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Lisa Pachentz, I am a professional certified coach. Uh, I am, I guess you can call me a, an executive life coach because what I really do is I support women and men to have a ambitious, accomplished life without the typical struggle, suffer, and exhaustion that comes with a lot of modern day success. Mm. Uh, Along with that is is a lot of disconnect as well. And I just don't, I don't believe that it has to go that way. And so my mission on the planet is to support as many women as possible to live their purpose without hitting the burnout cycle. Yeah. And would you agree we're in a time where I mean, as I've, I've been saying, it's kind of time for the patriarch to step back a little bit and let the matriarch like step forward because there's a whole side of the coin that has been so out of balance for such a very long time. Would you agree sort of with that? Or? Uh, I would agree definitely with that, not just sort of. <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. And it's interesting, in college, I was an anthropology major. And so we studied a lot of uh, indigenous cultures and historic cultures and places all over the world. And historically, um, indigenous cultures were matriarchal way back mm-hmm. when. And it wasn't until the last 
you know, several hundred years where societies have become, maybe a little bit more than that, societies have become more patriarchal. So Mm -hmm. the, the pendulum has shifted to the other side. And I think now it's starting to bounce back, or at least the realization that it, there needs to be more balance is starting to, is starting to occur. And the more that I do this work, the more that I do the work on myself and I transform myself and understand myself and the more I understand society, the more I realize that that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of us are, are facing right now, that disconnect, that inability to slow down and to be present and to nurture ourselves and to nurture others and to have intimate conversations. Yep, and that sometimes is, the tough yeah. conversations. Yeah, the tough conversations too, and not just yep. from a place of fight, but from a place of curiosity and openness and intrigue. I think all of that is is very feminine in nature. Mm-hmm. And femininity doesn't have to be soft. It can be incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way to approach things. Mama so, bear strong. Mama bear strong. And it's not even like a mama bear strong. It's a, you know, it, it's like the difference between having empathetic leadership and the, and having directive leadership. You need now, both. They're just different approaches and there's a so, time and place for each. So how are they different? Well, in that example, mm-hmm. and I use empathetic li- leadership because Dare to Lead is on your bookshelf and I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And Simon Sinek also talks a lot about empathy and leadership and how these days, um, it's really what need, it's what's needed. Now in the assembly line days when people were were basically operating as machines, you didn't need empathy and people didn't want that anyways. They wanted a paycheck. Yep. But nowadays the knowledge worker, what you know, how to be creative, how to stay in your your creative frontal cortex is your job most of the time. And to do that, we need empathetic leadership. And what that might look like is being seen, being heard, being valued, having rich conversations, having open conversations before you get the directive. Mm-hmm. So and being, tra- being really transparent and vulnerable, right? Yes, being transparent and vulnerable. And that's emotional intelligence right there. Empathy is a part of emotional intelligence. And the more emotionally intelligent you are, the better informed you can be about your decisions. Because you're working with knowledge workers and not just machines, you need to be informed as a leader. You can't just decide. Yeah, I, I noticed in bus- I noticed in business, there's a lot of people out there that are talking about emotional intelligence. And I, I don't know how to say this. I've studied it for a while. And uh, a lot of people don't really know what it is. How, how do you define emotional intelligence? Ooh. I know. Um, you, this was a question oh, that you didn't a, expect. No, this is but a here question we are. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. So I recently got, got certified to provide emotional intelligence assessments to teams and workplaces. That's and great. And this was actually a, <laughs> this was a question on my test two weeks ago. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch it a little bit. Emotional intelligence is a set of social and emotional skills to be able to make decisions, support your well-being, and connect with people in a way that is productive and informed. 
Nicely said. I like that. Oh, thank you. Paraphrasing. You mean I could bring you on another thing I do for the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce to talk about uh, emotional intelligence? Would you be willing to talk about it as it relates to business? I would be thrilled. Fantastic. We're going to do a panel. Yay! Yay! I can use my, my skills. How would you describe emotional intelligence? Well, I, I kind of describe it as behaviors. Mm. So it's listening, um, in a sense, holding safe space for other people, mm. empathizing with them. And what I learned, you know, I lived most of my adult life in Santa Fe, New Mexico as a, as a minority. Mm. And what I learned is, um, you know, what I learned is to just, you know, be quiet and listen and feel it and empathize mm. and walk in another person's moccasins. What is it like to do that? So that's, those are the behaviors that I attribute to emotional intelligence. But most of it is listening and empathizing. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. And listening and empathizing can go so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's your, what's your view on what success is? Because I think a lot of people think there's just like one definition for success and it's usually tied to money. <laughs> oh, this is such a good conversation because I had a conversation that was exactly this this morning with a client. So defining what success is. I think that in modern society, we define success by a paycheck and a job title. And those are two of many, many ways to define success. I found that by chasing money and a job title, I was severely unfulfilled mm. and lost. I didn't, I didn't have a purpose. I didn't feel valued or impactful that way. And the conversation I had with this client this morning was around how her own automatic of craving success and accomplishment, which is, you know, how much money did I make? Did I please this client? Have I moved my side hustle forward? And have I checked all the boxes that I needed to check today? Sounds totally external. Yeah, very external. And success is so individualized. It, it just does not work that way. It's not job titles and accomplishments because those things happen and then they're done and then what? It's 0.01% of the actual time that you spend pursuing something. So in emotional intelligence, we call this self-actualization, being very clear about what's meaningful to you because not everything that is urgent is important. But in our jobs, if we're working in corporate or working for someone else, oftentimes what is urgent becomes important, but isn't important to you. It's important to someone else. And so to understand what success actually looks like. And for this client this morning, it looks like loving herself, having moments of peace, having moments where she gets to go outside and enjoy where she's at. She lives in this incredible area. 
being able to journal, being able to remember what's important, find joy, all those things. But you are, it's a great question to, to ask ourselves constantly, what does success look like for me? And what does success look like here, both tangibly and intangibly? And it's not always the tangibles. I would actually always encourage people when you're going after a goal to look at the intangible as well. What's the experience you wanna have? What is the, the energy that you're looking to provide or receive? So I just spoke a lot. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on success too. No, 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 no. This is my podcast. I get to do what I want, which is I usually hold safe space and let others talk. But um, pretty much everything you said. So having you on this podcast is a definite success for me. Okay. So there is a little bit of um, what runs around in my mind that, you know, you take care of that and the money will follow. That doesn't mean you don't take care of it or don't have a focus on it because kind of where my, my head's at is I want to make a lot of money. And the reason is so I can do more of this and not me doing this, but create a path and a, and a way for other people to be heard. And in this case, seen. So the name of the real, the, my business is actually called Heard Not Seen, as in podcasting. But of course, we're also, you know, I've jumped into video here. But uh, <laughs> success for, you know, success for me would be helping as many people get what they want. And that's a Zig Ziglar thing mm. that uh, I learned a gazillion years ago. <laughs> right? You know, every once in a while that name comes up again. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that person existed. Who's like yeah. foundational to personal development? Yeah, there's there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes out that actually is just said again from years yeah. ago. Yeah. I kind of have this perspective that there's actually nothing new. Like Socrates' cha chair. I don't know if you heard of that. No, tell me. Uh, so Socrates' chair is a. I, I suppose it's a Socratic way of thinking about things, mm -hmm. but if someone remakes a chair into something else is it still a chair oh. or is it something different but in our society like you said I mean, there's thousands and thousands of remakes of the same thing but it's still the same thing a stump mm. can be a chair uh, a bowling ball can be a chair but it can also be a bowling ball anyways I'd, I'd rather I'd rather sit on a big um, soft bouncy ball <laughs> rather than a bowling ball a bowling ball <laughs> yeah Oh, is that another well, definition of being a hard ass? <laughs> or having one. <laughs> You're a sore ass. Why is that? Well, I used to be a hard ass, but I got oh, too long sitting on the bowling ball. That's a great dad joke. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about you specialize in helping women transition mm. from surviving and struggling through a nine to five job to thrive as a leader and business owner. Mm. And it occurred to me that you probably have several stories that you could uh, pull out of there that uh, might uh, kind of express that uh, or answer that question? Well, let me literally pull some stories out for you because I was just recently published in a book called You're Success kidding. in Any Season. Mm -hmm. Success in Any Season. Get that on Amazon or your website or both? You can get that on Amazon. There will be a link on my website. It is very, very newly published. I just wow. got these actually 
two days ago in the mail. I'm going to flip over to my to my chapter. Really, really exciting. Hold on. I, I, I want to show my name in, in big lights. There we go. Yay. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's fantastic. Very cool. So, another success on this uh, video stream and podcast. Awesome. Another success. And for me, the success was really about voice and visibility. Mm-hmm. So the the money that I might get from it or the prestige I might get from it is a great second. But my mission this year is to increase my voice and visibility in service of transformation. Because a lot of times just finding normalization in other people's stories, finding relatability, seeing how other people have done it, knowing it's possible, all these things are so, so necessary, especially in the realm of business. Mm. So speaking of stories of success, one of the reasons Yeah, I want to hear one. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons why I became a coach was because when I was younger, I was a very high-level soccer player. I played on Mm. a soccer team that traveled around the nation age 12. So I was very young when I when I started out and I ended up getting burnt out by the time I hit college, even though I was recruited for college and I played at Bucknell and it was D1. All, all great things. I, but, you know, sorry, but I actually don't know what D1 is. What is that? Division one soccer. Oh, so division that, one. Mm-hmm. D1, division yeah, one. D1. That's great. Yeah. It just means that you, yep. you play as a job. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, um, I was always a high achiever, but I was always very sensitive. And so being thrown into a very rigorous, very male dominated, very much harder, faster, better is better, Mm -hmm. uh, did not go well for me. And I learned early on that the best way to get through anything is just to, to shut up, suck it up and keep going. So Never mind emotional intelligence, never mind how to figure out what I'm feeling and express it, never mind burnout. None of that matters. Just suck it up and keep going and do what you're told. Along the lines of no no pain, no gain. Ah, yeah, that's in my chapter. I say that. No pain, no gain. Yeah. Actually, when I was when I was 12, I had just joined this team and there was a specific memory that I start this book chapter with. And um, after the, at the end of a long practice, our coach lines us up on the end of the field and he hands out straws, like little plastic straws. And we're all looking at each other like, oh God, what is going to happen? And and he hands out the straws and he walks out to the field and turns around and he's like, you know, I'm really disappointed in you today because this is a team of champions. And all I see is complaints and not doing your stamina training and chit-chatting and talking about boys. And that's not what champions do. Champions suck it the fuck up. And so when you think about complaining, use your straw because I don't want to hear it. And then for the next 30 minutes, we did sprints until one of us puked. And then we went home. Gosh. And so that was that was the emotional training that I got back then. And I mean, the the soccer training was incredible, but the emotional training was poor, to say the least. There's there's another word. I don't think it's training. Emotional. I don't know what it would be called. Mm. Somebody out there is like they, you know, 
can't exactly drop it in the chat, but uh, <laughs> you, you can always go to a, you can always go to what has my and actually leave us a message on this one. That'd be great. Wow. Yeah. So, so thank you for telling that story. Maybe there's more. There is more. So the, the last piece to this is I grew up with this mentality of just suck it up and work harder. And that doesn't work every time. I can't just outwork my emotional problems, but that's what I tried to do for so many years. And then even therapy wasn't like, it, it didn't, it didn't teach me emotional intelligence. It taught me that I was a human being, but great. I need something else and it. So it wasn't until I found coaching and I found personal development that, that explained the cultural problem of the, this gap in emotional conditioning and emotional training and gave me some proper steps and proper schooling around it that I was like, oh my God, this is what's missing. We are not trained or conditioned. Schools are not built to teach emotional intelligence. No. N nowhere in our modern life do we have this set up in our structures unless our parents are are well-informed enough. And even then, we spend most of our times in places that don't teach this. So this is a problem. So how do I provide some solutions? How do I make an impact in a place that I have been so deeply impacted? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my mission. Yeah. And that's a big word, you know, all over your website, really, it's mm -hmm. just about wanting to really make an impact. Yeah. So that's, that's what kind of drives you, right? Yeah, that's what really drives me. And I, wow. God, I, I think back to the first year of coaching <laughs> and um, how my poor coach had to deal with all of my survival mechanism tantrums and the, I have no choice and I can't do this. But God bless her, her heart that she stuck it out. And I always go back to that when I'm in the midst of, you know, questioning myself and questioning how to support a client sometimes at the end of the day, all I need to do is stand and hold the space and say, it's going to be okay. You have the answers. Yeah. You're not and then, alone. And then talk about what those answers could be. Ask them what they could be. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a gift to me for someone to keep on repeating that. I got you. I hear you. You have the answers. Let's find them over and over. Yeah. You talk about warmth and rigor. Mm in terms of how you help your clients personally and professionally reach their goals. So mm -hmm. do you find it, do you find when you're working with a client sometimes, I mean, you might have to have, I don't know what rigor means to you. I was kind of thinking tough love, but I don't think it's the same. Mm. That is an astute observation. Warmth and rigor, I believe are my own descriptions of my, masculine energy and my feminine energy mm. rigor might mean tough love but mm. to me rigor means intentional intensity mm. whatever that means to you but when i say think that say that again rigor to me means intentional intensity nice that could mean focus it could mean integrity around a particular goal for this week or this year. It could mean work. 
and dedication, but it doesn't have to necessarily mean hard work and tough love. To me, I hear focus and intention. So here's where I went with it because mm. I have a pretty good background in music all the way from classical to jazz to rock and roll, but I'm kind of a rocker really. So to me, <laughs> intentional intensity is crank it up, right? Mm -hmm. It's like every once in a while on the weekend, you know, I'll just crank it up. So that's, yeah. you know, that's, and, and that's actually a lot how I work sometimes when I, when uh, music isn't a distraction, I'll crank it up because it drives me that way. But that's, that's not what that. really what you're talking about. But, <laughs> but, well, it could mean cranking up the volume on something too, but exactly. I, I think of like, oh, that's, that's such a good metaphor. So um, do you play an instrument? I do. What instrument? Well, I have uh, right now piano and ukulele, but I've played electric bass and I played mm -hmm. harpsichord and studied classical guitar pretty seriously for a number of years when I was younger. Wow. The harpsichord. Yeah, you want to talk about intensity. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you something about the harpsichord most people don't know. They think it like a piano, it's a percussive instrument. It's not. It's mm. a plucked instrument. Mm. So what they teach you, what what how you actually do the keys is you pluck the keys. So it's like this. It's not like this or like that. It's pluck, pluck, pluck. Oh, and wow. when I started studying with this woman who was really good, you know, she said, you know, it's a plucked instrument. So I don't want you to think about it at all. I mean, I don't want you to physically do anything here, mm -hmm. but I want you to close your eyes and just imagine plucking the strings under the, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the instrument, just, just, you know, pluck the keys, pluck the keys. And it was like an incredible experience. And oh. I asked her, why do you teach harpsichord? And she goes, because it is such a beautifully intense instrument played right by plucking. Anyway, you've heard harpsichord music before, so you know. Yes, harpsichord. Oh, yeah. that's so pretty. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a brilliant metaphor because I think of rigor as mm. focus, right? So you mm. can focus and 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 pluck the instrument and play the harpsichord of the piano with with rigor but it could be a soft focused present almost heartbreaking melody yeah but it doesn't well, with, have to be loud right and with the harpsichord you have to be extremely relaxed mm. you have to be like with piano it's different you see pian people playing piano their whole bodies into it not mm -hmm. harpsichord it's yeah. it's a very relaxed experience Oh, that's interesting. With a high degree of intensity and rigor. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, so the, the classic definition of rigor, especially for coaches, might look like stand. Standing for your client, standing for a result, um, standing very firmly for something that's meaningful to you. So that's that's rigor in the in the doing sense as a coach. And then the warmth is that is that softness, that nurturing, that love and connection the i got you you got me we got this we'll figure it out my very first client ever actually uh said that working with me was like a kick in the ass but i'll hold you when you cry about it <laughs> really yeah kick in the ass but i'll kick but I'll in hold... the ass but i hold you when you cry while you cry about it yeah while you cry about it 
And then you what? Move on? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully we we look at it and we get curious. You know, what's this about? You said you can't do this thing, but you're actually all powerful and you've done harder things than this. So WTF is up. Yeah. Do you ever do what, uh, do you ever map across submodalities? Meaning like if somebody's having a real hard time with somebody and you, do you take them back to a time when they were quote unquote successful doing something and what that felt like? And can you see yourself doing that and then map it over to a particular challenge or some issue that they're having now? Do you know about that one? Um, it's something that I do, but I, I never heard the cross modalities theory mm-hmm. before. Tell me more about that. Well, it's just that. So it actually, I, there was a period where I studied neuro-linguistic programming with two, actually three exceptional teachers and actually the same people that were in the graduating class with Tony Robbins. Um, but I met them in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it was a whole different thing. And I'll get there in a minute. So uh, being in Santa Fe, uh, we did a lot of modeling with the natives, with American Indians, um, including a really fascinating game called the Navajo hand game. So, you know, the challenge is like most of us are on Zoom calls and it's better than a phone call, but not as good as being face to face. Because I look forward to the day someday where I actually meet you face to face and I will be able to feel you more as a person. Right. So, yeah. Do you, do you, do you find, uh, do you find you're working with clients through zoom, right? Mm-hmm. Is it somewhat challenging or are you, are you doing pretty well with it? Or what do you find challenging about it? If there is anything at all? Well, I actually find that it is, I, I enjoy it because I get to work with people who I normally wouldn't get to work with. And Philadelphia is a wonderful place, but you know I, I wouldn't be able to work with people in California or the UK or Australia or Florida or Chicago, um, right. where a lot of my clients are, if we had to meet in person. And I, I listen a lot for energetic differences for the way that people um, talk about things, their words, what they say, what they don't say, their emotions. And being with someone in person is a different experience. I get their energy. It's like another sense turns on for me as coach, but it also creates another layer of, of things that I listen and look for. So just like if you, let's say, put a blindfold on, your hearing gets a lot stronger. For me, it's similar because I don't have the person right in front of me. I can concentrate a lot more on what they're saying, what they're not saying, their energy, their, their language. Well, I'm not going to demonstrate it now, but been podcasting 16 years, right? So in the early days, it was a remote podcasting and no video. Mm-hmm. So it was a completely different experience. Because mm. no visuals, so it's like being on a phone call with somebody. It's like reading a book. You kind of have to fill in the blanks. And it's a much richer experience in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. 
But here we are on video. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just a different experience. I like to vary it up. I like to have clients that I see in person when possible, have phone calls and have video sessions and then vary it up per person. Sometimes we have videos. Sometimes we have phone calls because you get something different in the different types of interactions. Yeah. So... I feel like this is the first of many conversations we're going to have. I hope so. And, but I did want to ask you about accomplishment coaching. Mm-hmm. So it gets rave reviews and, and you've gone through the program, right? Yes. I've gone through the program. I became a mentor coach. I became one of the leaders. And then last year I, I took a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wanted some, some downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from what I can tell, it's a phenomenal credential for you or anybody actually, really. I firmly believe that accomplishment coaching trains the best coaches in the world. Having been trained there and interact now with a lot of coaches from different modalities, Mm -hmm. the coach that comes right out of accomplishment coaching and the coach that comes right out of any other training is so, so they're, they're, they're more attuned because the rigor is higher. The expectations are higher. The intensity is higher in that program. And it's built to be the most intense, rigorous training program in the world. And it, and it definitely shows. So it sounds like when you get out of the program, you're actually just ready to go. Yes. That is Which the is, intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I firmly believe in it. Yeah. Well, obviously, obviously it works. <laughs> it does something. Yeah. <laughs> it transforms you, maybe not into a business owner all the time, but it transforms you into a better version of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love the program. I love the people. They are so they're so well trained. They're so well they, they have such big hearts. I think they're so well positioned to serve other people. Mostly women or some men, or how's what's the mix there generally? Um it's a, it's a mix of people. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say on the senior leader board, there's two men, four women, five mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. When you think about your life, and I have this idea, you may have had several of these. Can you tell me about one time in your life, which was totally defining for you where everything changed? a wonderful question. Mm. (laughs) I'd say that uh, when I mm, when I said yes to coaching. Mm. What did it do for you? Well, at the time, you know, when I hired my first coach, I wanted things to go a little different. I didn't want to go into the burnout cycle anymore. I didn't want to fall up the steps, so to speak, of my success. And I didn't have the budget for coaching, but I created the budget for coaching. I was 
so intentional about knowing how important this was and being a yes to it in my own personal development for the first time in a long time. And it didn't make sense logically, but I knew that something needed to go differently. And so saying yes to that also had me say yes to becoming a coach, also had me say yes to quitting my cushy corporate job and starting a business. Yeah. It said yes to you, sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a two-way street of yes. Nice. Mm. What outcomes do you, you always hope for your clients? Mm. I hope that they have more love and laughter in their life and that they rediscover what's most important for them. And so it's interesting, I'm actually starting to move away from the word success in my title um, because it doesn't, it doesn't quite describe what I do. I mean, success is what I aim for, for every client, but it's not one dimensional it's not productivity or goal-based. It is experiential-based. And it sounds like with what you do, the success will just come. Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, my, my deepest hope is that people will rediscover how powerful and resilient they are and be able to teach them how to overcome anything to find and pursue what matters, regardless of what they do and who they are and what they're with, who they're with. God, it sounds wonderful. I'm hear this. I'm mm -hmm. just like rubbing my hands together because I just absolutely mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anything you want to tell? Um, well, let's just cut to the chase and say that you know if I know you're out there, and if you probably have maybe thinking now's the time to uh, engage with a coach, I'd really recommend reaching out to Lisa mm -hmm. and. Uh, yeah, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can always peruse my website, coachingwithlp.com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. And I have a lovely, thriving Facebook community called Coaches Creating Community. Mm. And I heartily encourage people who don't feel like they are getting everything they want to look for support. Yeah. So if you are not pursuing what you were meant to pursue on the planet, get support, reach out, know that you're not alone. There's so many avenues of, of help and support and connection these days, even if it's just joining a free Facebook community. Yeah. I, I think we are a community as people. As this species, we are a community of relationships. I mean, it's yeah. so it's so obvious to me. You just look around. There's people all around. Yeah. It's relationship based. Brene Brown says that belonging is one of the fundamental human needs. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we're not creating that belonging, we're losing out on a basic need. Nice. Mm. Lisa, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was a delight to talk to you, John, and I love what you stand for in supporting women to be fully expressed. I do. I do.
it just, um, my definition is success. <laughs> I love that full circle. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Yeah. All right. So I would encourage people to go to what has my and you know, there's a little blue button down there and you can actually just leave us an audio comment. I would love to know, I know you do, but I would love to know if, if you'd like to have Lisa back and if there's some particular piece that kind of caught your ear or your eye today that you'd like her to talk about, just let us know. And you can also email us from there as well. So anyway, Lisa, have a wonderful weekend, which is coming up. Yes, you as well. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep being who you're being. It is a delight to interact with you. Oh, and you. you're such a gift. Well, thank you for being here. And thank you for saying that. It was beautiful. All right. Till next time. Sounds good. Produced by Imagine Podcasting, we help businesses eliminate competition by elevating their brand and message to be heard. Visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.